I'm Yasi Salik, and I'm the host of Bandsplain, a show where we explain cult bands and iconic artists by going deep into their histories and discographies. We're back with a brand new season at our brand new home, the Ringer Podcast Network, tackling a whole new batch of artists, from grunge gods to power pop pioneers to new metal legends, and many, many more. Listen to new episodes every Thursday, only on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, Restrictions all apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another edition of The Pod Has Spoken. Uh, I am here with one of the hosts, Riley McAtee. He generally covers the NFL at The Ringer. He's also a survivor, super fan, and expert. Riley, what's up, dude? How's it going, Tyson? I'm great. I'm doing great. I liked this episode. It was, we got another long episode. 90 minutes. What have I been saying? 90 minute episodes. They finally gave it to us. That's what we needed the whole time. I'm also Riley. Well, first of all, I'm Tyson. Everybody knows me uh, just by the sound of my voice, the looks, all of it. It's all the complete package. I'm here in front of you. Uh, But I have a very dear friend of mine, someone I've known since the first time I was on Survivor. Coach Benjamin Wade. Coach, what's up? Bam. That's what I got to say for you, pal. Okay, that's enough. Uh, <laughs> how you doing, Coach? What you been up to, dude? Always great, man. You know, always great. Just living the dream, brother. I'm on my prep period right now. Last time I was at a coffee shop. Now, my classroom is quiet for the next 56 minutes, and then all hell's breaking loose. Okay, yeah, so okay. we do we're have to clock. wrap this. Yeah, we're on the clock. 56 <laughs> minutes starting now. Let's get into episode two, season 43 of Survivor. Incredible. And this one's called The Lovable Curmudgeon. And uh, I think there's a lot of those on Survivor. I think that's one of definitely one of the uh, key ingredients to uh, every season of Survivor. And we open, as we always do, back at camp on the losing tribe, Baca. And... uh, Owen, who we know as the lovable curmudgeon, he gets the title. He decides to address the tribe and apologize for getting worked up at tribal council. Coach, good play? That guy's got one foot out the door from the very beginning, man. <laughs> I, don't, I mean, you know, every, every day you're thinking about making moves or doing damage control, right? Yeah. And so uh, what, what can you do? You get worked up at tribal you know, a lot of times I'll never forget when JT and Steven voted you out and we came back 
and they thought I was just going to let them have it. You know, maybe raw emotions are better sometimes, but you're second guessing yourself every day out there, in my opinion. Yeah, I think apologizing is wrong. Uh, then you're admitting guilt and you're bringing more focus to that. Just let it blow over and be like, that's the way it is. Uh, but you never know. Like sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. But so often people come back from tribal or they come back from a challenge and they apologize for, you know, doing whatever they did. And most of the time that's unnecessary and damaging. And then the storm comes. <laughs> Look at Coach's face. You like you like watching a storm roll in on Survivor? Hell yeah, when we're not on it, absolutely. It's so funny <laughs> because it's like, kumbaya, so it happens every season. Kumbaya, Survivor's the greatest. We love each other. Voting somebody off step one to demise. Step two, thunderclouds coming. The next day, everybody's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe Survivor was this hard. It's so funny. Very predictable, <laughs> but I love it every, all the same. Yeah, I do love that. I the second the storms start rolling in, I'm like, oh, yes, please hit them hard. I was a little bummed that the sun was out in the morning. It's a good <laughs> a multi-day storm is always uh, what my fingers are crossed for. And uh, that morning, it, I mean, it looked like it was pretty rough. Uh, and uh, we saw Gabler with his shirt off. What, what about his tattoo game there, coach? You, you are a man of tattoos, of body art, so to speak. Has Gabler got it going on or what? I like it. I, in fact, when he first started speaking, I'm like, man, this guy's like heavy metal, dude. He's something, you know? And then when we first saw him with his tats, I remember when we went through casting Tyson, I didn't have the chest tattoo. Yeah. I got the chest tattoo specifically so that you could be drawn to my nipple um, okay. and that you could enjoy it uh, in the second go around. But anyway... Gabler's tattoos are, are cool, man. I dig him. I actually really like him. He's predictable. He, re he reminds me a little bit of, of Keith as far as just kind of like, it's kind of stumbling around through the play of Survivor. Um, but I, I like him. He's cool. Tats are on, on point. I did love that moment where he was like, I don't want to look weak to my tribe as the entire tribe's looking at him for being weak. <laughs> Like that little, that little mashup of a couple of minutes where he was like, I can't, I don't want to look weak. And he's laying down and everybody's like looking at him and being like, oh, he's not doing much. They're uh, going to have, they're going to have a great time with him this year, much like they did with me and the storm and everything. I know it's the first episode and we're not on the first episode, but you know, when he sat there and he said he was going to play his uh, shot in the dark, I, yeah. the <laughs> I was like, who are you, man? Have you not watched this game? Anyway, but then of course, I know we haven't gotten into this yet, but We're the fishing to it now. gear, yeah. Well, the fishing gear, when yeah. they get the fishing gear and the music that they had, you know, I'm always listening to the music, the music that they had and the, and the little, uh, Fijian guy or Samoan guy in the background is like, ha, ha, ha. when he's like, oh yeah, I've used this before. And then he's trying to, to put it on and do that Hawaiian sling. Hilarious, man. The producers are going to have a lot of fun with them. I just hope he stays. Uh, for a long time so that they can really get his goat. Yeah. Have you have either of you guys used the Hawaiian swing sling before? Yes. Mm -hmm. How was he doing? It, very bad. Very <laughs> bad. He did not get it right in any of his methods where all of them were wrong. So the method I speared I, I speared a I speared a fish. Yeah. When sure. I was out there, did you tie We some? believe you. Yeah, I speared some on season 40. It was like I it, the fish was probably about <laughs> <laughs> it was like the, the tiniest fish. I didn't. I was not good at it. I got a couple decent sized ones, 
And then I was trying for something big. So I would shoot those little ones, grind them mm. up on the coral and use them as chum. But I never got anything too big. Mm. Uh, but the the what you got to do, Riley, is you got to put the elastic in the cradle of your thumb and, and pointer finger and then pull it back from there. And then when you release it, you hold on to the elastic still with your hand. And he was trying to shoot it from his elbow. He was trying to loop it around his elbow a bunch of times. He almost shot himself in the eye. Yeah, he almost, almost speared himself. Yeah. So the biggest Wait, Tyson, fish out is there. That, is that how you're supposed to do it? Can you rewind just so if I ever go out there again, I'll know how to use it? <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's it. You put the loop of the elastic in the cradle of your thumb and pointer. <laughs> pull it all the way back. Okay release but hold on to the elastic still so you don't drop it on the bottom of the ocean and uh that's it and then a a couple other things you can do is you can swim down somewhere where there's a hole under the coral or under some rocks or something hold on to those so you don't have to use all your energy and oxygen uh treading water to stay down underneath so uh you can sit down there for like a minute or two just holding on to a piece of coral and not moving at all and keeping your spear in position so that's it this is me every time tyson talks hooked. i'm like hooked, hooked. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah he'll he'll hopefully figure it out he's got the whole season and uh if rupert can fish gabler can fish we jump around a little bit this episode and we get some backstory uh, riley you liking this new era of backstory I'm feeling a little like I, I don't mind the flashbacks so much, but they're taking up a lot of these these first few episodes. At least I, I kind of am like, let's get to like the scheming and the plotting and stuff. That's sort of what draws me to Survivor. But I like that we have people we can root for. That's that's fun. There's only people we can root for. There's no one no, to root against. There's no one to root against. Even Cody, who we thought might materialize into the villain, still could had some backstory and some feel-good moments uh, this episode. And now that's negated anybody who we think could be a potential full-fledged villain. Coach, does that leave any room in the universe for someone like you? (laughs) There's always room for somebody like me. Um, (laughs) You know, there are so many backstories. It's like everybody's going to be a refugee or a gang member or whatever it is. I think that there's too many. I do like it that they're doing that. Um, but I think it's too much. You know, like like Riley said, there's too much that takes away from the episode. But um 90 minute wanna, episodes. Hey, if it's gonna be 90 minutes every time, I guess they got time for it. But I, I mean, we gotta see people that we root for clear cut. We gotta see people that we root against clear cut. We gotta be, see people that we can't stand, but we can't wait for them to open their mouth. And we got to have the ones that just are non-entities. You got to have those. Yeah. It's the the pack fillers. Mm-hmm. Uh, cannon fodder. The cannon fodder, yeah. The uh, heathers of the uh, season. Uh, this three-tribe format, Coach, puts six on each tribe. And as we're bouncing around these tribes early in the episode, the breakdown seems to be scattered and all over the place. All of these tribes are in pieces. Some of them recognize it. Some of them don't. It's like two, two, and two, three, and three with two floating in the middle between the threesomes. Like it's all over the place. And uh, 
I like that. I like that it's very, very confusing. Is this how it always is, Coach? Or For me, it seems usually it's more straightforward. Like, And maybe they're just showing this on TV in the edit, but usually it's like, there's a majority. If there's six, there's a majority of four somewhere. And that is pretty clear cut. But I think, go ahead. No, no, no. I just was going to say that I think actually it's, it's because there, nobody's strategizing, right? Tribes have admittedly, openly admitted that they're not strategizing. So maybe it's a way for the producers to put stuff together so that it looks sporadic because it actually is sporadic. Yeah. And that's what I think. I think every single tribe here is very like uh, chaotic in the moment as to being, they're not unified. There's not like a, a clear majority on the tribes that is driving that tribe and the uh, and the strategy of what's happening. And that will materialize, of course, but like it seems so fractured right now. Usually early in the game, it's like everybody's on the same page. Maybe the first vote is like very clear, just one person targeted. But this seems to be like pretty split. Great casting if they're already getting people to distrust each other so heavily. I mean, you see at Vessi, uh, you see uh, Dwight and Jesse connecting and then Noel and Justine. Then Jesse talks about how he's good with everybody. And Dwight talks how he's good with everybody too, except for Cody. And then Jesse doesn't get Justine. And so it's just like, it's this web of confusion and trust and distrust, but you're trusting somebody that trusts somebody else that you don't trust. And that's where it gets tricky. And that's what's actually really fun. And we see it play out at this tribal council. Uh, and as we go back to Baca one more time and we get Cody's backstory a little bit and how he's talking to Noelle as she's putting her, her leg on. And he's talking about his childhood friend, his high school friend, who, uh, Devin, who got cancer, passed away. They amputated his leg at one point and he had to see Devin go through all of that. And that made him start living. That's living without a G coach, <laughs> like the tattoo on his butt. <laughs> what a crazy guy. I love him. <laughs> hey, he's like, uh, he's like a breath of fresh air. Actually, even listening to his accent, it reminds me of Boston Rob, where it's like, I just like it. Just keep talking, and I'll just listen to your accent. So He's like I, a character in a 90s Adam Sandler movie. For sure. Yep. With the, hair, with the haircut and, and everything. Yes. All of it. Or a, really, or a really bad contestant on The Bachelorette. Yeah, that could be, too. Is he made for Survivor? Yes. I think he's going to do really well, actually. Yeah. I mean... Last week, he, as the salesman, convinced people not to trust salesmen, <laughs> which is such a weird, such a weird thing. Don't trust salesmen. It's like, okay, I guess that's a thing on Survivor that nobody knew about, and he says it, and everybody believes it. Crazy. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> we then go to Ellie a little bit on Baca before we get to the immunity challenge. And she talks about Sammy and Owen as her children. And then she shows them just like kind of stumbling around and talks to uh, Sammy and Owen as children. Like Sammy, it's more independent. He's got things a little bit. She can, you know, let baby bird fly a bit, but Owen needs like pats on the back and, you know, some comforting. And, and then it's like, uh, again, they show all the perfect, little segments of those interactions 
as she's telling it. And uh, the girls there, Janine and Ellie, don't even think the boys are playing. And they're not really, although they do kind of talk about the guys sticking together with Gabler, Sammy, and Owen. Sammy was kind of one of the standouts last episode, the first, the premiere. What's your take on Sammy? That's a, is that the guy from BYU? Yes. I thought. <laughs> I'm still the number one reality TV contestant from BYU. That guy can't, that guy can't hold your jock strap, man. Not that you're wearing a jock strap on, when you're <laughs> cycling. Um, no, I like it. What, by the way, what nationality is he? Uh, I don't know. Sometimes, no, I'm serious, man. Like you, I, I'm just curious. Like sometimes he's, he has like a little, a slight accent, right? And I think, you know, like, is he, is he, is his parents like African-American and Caucasian or whatever's the correct nomenclature these days? He, it seems to me like he's not just a straight up white boy, uh, but he's got some other demographics coming in that he's pulling from. So, I mean, you know, like I, I like him. I thought he was going to be maybe another Jonathan when we first met him. I think uh-huh. he's smart. He certainly doesn't seem like he's 19 years old, um, but we'll see how he plays out. I, I like him for now. He did say after they had the the storm come through, he was like, oh, you know, out here, your mom won't pick you up and like drive you home. At or the convenience was, store, from the convenience yeah, store. I was like, oh, if you say that too loud, people will start to pick up that you're 19. Yeah. <laughs> like, you said you that's can't just not go into a 22-year-old would say, oh, I need my mom to pick me up. I thought that too. And I thought maybe he's just uncomfortable in his confessionals because he seemed a lot smoother last episode. This episode, he seemed like, a little more high strung, a little more nervous in the confessionals. That'll come with time, hopefully. Uh, he's only 19 again. Uh, and uh, we go to the immunity challenge. And the first thing I do is I check how much time is left in the episode because I think there's a lot of time left in this episode to be hitting the immunity challenge right now. And there is, there's so much time. So now I'm thinking big tribal council, lots of stuff going to happen. And, uh, this immunity challenge is huge. I love it. I love these types of immunity challenge, you know, where you get to do a lot of different things. You all have to work together. Choosing the wrong person to sit out can be detrimental. Paying attention to hear the explanation of the challenge goes a long way. Even if you have just one or two people out of the entire tribe really honing in when Jeff is explaining the challenge, that can make or break uh, a tribe here. And uh, we get a little swimming. We get the giant snake. Coach, that snake, Jeff said, was 400 pounds. I believe it. I like that they told us how much it weighed because I so often am like, those things are so much heavier than you think they are. Coach, could you bench press that snake by yourself? Well, I was about ready to say, actually, I think that Jeff was actually alluding to the greatness that you never saw of my bench press prowess. I think that might have been his the reason why he said it was 400 pounds i could not bench press 400 pounds i cannot bench press 300 anymore (laughs) but you could you told us on token sheets no i I used to bench press 300 that was every day man i'd be repping out with that okay i can only do about 250 now that's about my max okay riley what can you bench press oh about probably about the bar yeah (laughs) i i can probably do 100 pounds guess what tyson it doesn't matter because you're such a freaking badass man Thank you. Like, yeah. for real. Listen, I know we're not supposed to be talking about it, man, but I just saw the last two episodes of your shenanigans, your prowess on uh, the, the challenge. It's all gone, man. Yeah. I just hero-worshipped you the entire way through that season. 
Yeah, I spanked those kids pretty good for a long time. It's so epic, man. They get fishing gear. And this is like, everybody's super excited about fishing gear. I think on this new era of Survivor where it's 26 days, they're given less. The fishing gear probably means more. Hmm. Is that, I mean, what are your feelings there, coach? Do you, do you feel like if you're not getting absolutely any, no rice or anything, at what point are you pumped for fishing gear? Because I know as a returning contestant, most people don't know how to do anything with the fishing gear. So it's not that exciting to get unless you personally want to go out and fish for everybody. Sure. I mean, how many calories do you burn fishing? And then if you catch fish, you bring it back to the tribe and it's divided up between everybody. It's not even worth it. So I think, you know, it's, it, it runs the same course. Yay, fishing gear. Yeah, uh, I can't catch anything. And then it's just like a moot point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Somebody loses a spear. Somebody loses a snorkel. People go out when they're bored. Nobody's hardly getting any fish. Uh, that seems to be the way of it. But I thought their excitement for the fishing gear was very extra this episode. And I, must as I have to assume that they're so hungry on day two or three that they're already hoping. That's the thing. It's like you get fishing gear and all you think about is like, I hope somebody on my tribe can get fish and is willing to go get fish. So another interesting point here through this whole thing, the immunity challenge is we see NECA on, uh, what tribe is she on? Is she on Vessi? She's on Vessi. Yeah, Vessi. The red she tribe. She's just taking a bunch of rests, coach. How many rests are you allowed in an immunity challenge with a tribe? <laughs> you get like one rest and then you're freaking toast. <laughs> she's not really lifted with the snake. She's gassed from the water. And then, and I noticed this, I'm, I know Riley also noticed this. NECA just tosses that bag with something in it to the side. That I, I immediately knew they were finished at that point. I mean, that was like, I don't know, you got to turn that thing inside out, right? Like, yeah. even, even if you're, you, uh, we, because we've seen this before. This has happened before where people have like missed a puzzle piece or missed a key on something or whatever. It just feels like Survivor 101 is you make sure that you have the stuff you need. Well, and on Survivor, when Jeff Probst walks you through the challenge, I'm certain multiple times he said, do not forget to get the puzzle piece out of the bag. Do not forget that. The one thing, I don't want you to forget is the puzzle piece out of the bag. And in the heat of the moment, people forget and they're hoping that that's not the case or they just it totally slips their mind. But anytime you see someone miss something very important in the challenge, it's not because they haven't been informed. It's because while their adrenaline is pumping, their brain isn't thinking correct. And uh, it's like you see it all the time, but that's, I'm certain they've gotten multiple reminders. And uh, yeah, it's uh, Baca wins. They're very excited to not go back to tribal council. I was kind of interested to see what Gabler's move was going to be at tribal council with his idol and everything. Because I have a hunch he's going to, for some reason, decide not to play it. And that might be the, his downfall right there. And Coco takes second, Vessi all the way out. 
Again, NECA's to blame for sure. Uh, Noelle was very angry. She sat out and she was yelling at NECA. Is that, uh, is that a good move there, coach, to, to yell at your tribe mates while uh, in the heat of battle in a challenge? Only positive. You have to, right? Yep. I kind of thought when she started yelling that she was donezo. Me too. So they close out. And I, I like this new thing with Jeff. He talks to the losing tribe. Mm-hmm. Do you like that? Do you like that little interaction he has with the losing tribe before they go back to camp? Yeah, except for I, I wasn't smart enough to clock that that was actually different from the past. I just was like, hey, this is really cool. I didn't think that it was different than in the past, but it's a good little bit of closure, I think, for everybody. I mean, I have to now refer to Riley. That's new, right? That's pretty new. I think he's been doing that. I, I don't know if it's it's not new this season, but no, it, uh, new within the handful it. of seasons. I think so. Uh, it doesn't go far back. That's for I don't sure. think so. It used to just be got nothing for you. Yeah, head back to camp. That's yeah, right. Yeah. Definitely more. Yeah, I think Cody's going to be good because I don't think he knows what not to say sometimes to Jeff, and I think that that's going to be fun for us as viewers because here he says like it's time to hunt or be hunted which is not a thing you want to say in front of your entire tribe, I don't think. But uh, they go back to camp, and it's a huge mess. Riley, did you pick up on all the confusion there? Well, the I mean, the one thing I picked up on was that when NECA comes up and is like, hey, what are you, what are you thinking? And they're like, oh, I don't know. It's like, you might as well just tell the person you're voting <laughs> yeah. for them. That Coach. was the worst bit of acting ever. It was like, oh, uh, we're just talking about the challenge and how bad, how it's so lost. And crazy. the other tribes, the other tribes. Yeah. I can't believe at that moment, she did not just absolutely say, wow, I'm yeah. on the outs. I got a freaking scramble. Well, she did. She went back and and she comes to the camera and she's like, I know it's probably me. Like everybody's acting weird. Nobody's giving me information. And uh, yeah, I, uh, I, I like it. I like that it's the scramble. And then the scramble continues. It's so crazy on these small tribes. It's like kind of like an end game, but you don't even know where your lines are yet. Mm. Like if you get down to six people at an end game, you know who's with you and who's against you and which direction you need to go. But on day two with six people, you don't know. Yeah. Like, how can you know? And so you... And you got the, like, the, the wrinkle of Dwight doesn't even have a vote. So yeah. you got a few, five votes, but with six people. And so he's sort of in the mix. And then, and then the next one that they do, this tribe, it's like Dwight won't be able to prove his loyalty to anyone. You know, like you're saying, Tyson, where it's like, oh, you'll know where someone stands. Like... Dwight didn't have the chance to to be like, yeah, I wrote my name down like I was supposed to with with whoever. Yeah, it's true. And uh and the confusion goes where like Justine wants to split votes on Cody and NECA, and uh Cody and Jesse want to take out Justine because you can't trust a sales person. Dwight wants Justine and is willing to fight for Justine, but also doesn't have a vote. So he's telling us like he can't be too forceful, but then he is being forceful with keeping Justine. And uh, at that point, I almost I was kind of thinking that Dwight was going to go because he didn't have a vote. He was being 
pretty adamant about keeping Justine. And in that moment as Jesse, you have to say, okay, if he wants Justine here so bad, he must have a motivation to keep her here past what I'm seeing, which is bad for me. And that's it. Like Dwight talks about wanting to keep his option o- option options open. Coach, how many options can you keep open on Survivor before people start to catch on and nobody trusts you? It's a fine line. If you have your options open, you're either going to go home after that vote, like I did on Heroes and Villains, or you're going to be able to play that fine dance of going in between the two. But usually, in my experience, it catches up to you sooner rather than later. Yeah, I think so. I think one of the classic missteps, and I I think that this is where Kim kind of went wrong on Winners at War, was she was trying to keep all sides happy, but all sides could see that she was trying to keep all sides happy. And at that point, nobody can fully trust her. Hmm. And she was like, I was just trying to keep all my options open so I could go back and forth. I was like, yeah, but everybody knew that, which is now the problem. And uh, just as we think that things can't get any spicier, Cody finds this beware advantage. Coach, you're in uh, Cody's shoes. You see this with the beware advantage label on it. You opening that thing? You're not? (laughs) Man, I got bad luck on Survivor all the time. I'm going to throw that thing in the freaking ocean, man. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and he knows, like, it's it, they've seen 41 and 42 at this point. So it's yeah. like, dude, you know you're losing your vote as soon as you pick that thing up. And it could have been so much worse, too, because in the last season, it was like, oh, you have to do something at the next immunity challenge or whatever. Yeah. He might have had yeah. no opportunity to get that vote yeah. back. He could have just left it there and been like, great, after tribal, I'll go in the woods to to pee and I'll, and then I'll grab the thing and see. But you could, you, all you had to do is wait like an hour. So here's where I think the rules probably are on these things is that you have to place it back. If you don't want to open it, you probably have to place it exactly in the position that it's currently in. Yeah. Which was out in the open, just on top of a log. So does that factor into your decision to open it right there? But it's so close. It's so close to tribal. It's like you can just sort of hang around it. If someone else goes to it, you'll have information about when they go and then you can just get it when you come back from tribal. And if it's gone, then you'll know someone else has it too. So I think you can kind of play it a little a little more smartly. The one, the one thing that was good about Cody getting it though is that it's kind of like how Marianne got it last season is you're like, he's enough of sort of a, a quirky oddball guy that like he could actually go and get the beads. If it was like Jesse who had, who had discovered it and Jesse suddenly is like, hey, I want everyone's beads, it would have been instant, like something's up with this, you know, that there's this is part of the game or whatever. But Cody can actually play it off as just being eccentric. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> I mean, he had to go and tell people, which that's tough. That's tough to have to approach people and tell people about... Uh, about an advantage. Is, is this the time to tell people, Coach? Because he, he's at a disadvantage. He's probably losing his vote. Does he tell his closest allies at that point or does he keep them in the dark and try and scramble for the beads by himself? It's day I mean, two, I, day three. Do you yeah. trust those people enough to, to tell them that? I don't know. I feel like just for me, you know, after that first day or two, you know who you can trust. I okay. think. So, and I'm always an open book. So for me, I play all the cards on the table. Okay. So day two on token chains, you find this thing, you're coming to me, you're telling me, 
I got this thing. And Absolutely, I man. I, after the first six hours of token teams, man, I was yeah. your guy. I was like, yeah. you know, vote me off, but I'm going to be loyal. And I, and at the same time, I sensed that Brendan was not going to be trusted. You yeah. know, we, you get that sense, right? That first day, it's like the lines are drawn. Um, you know, Sierra and Aaron and you and Debbie and Brendan is in the middle and Jerry. So I, I think so. I just something, I think everything in Survivor, it's this dichotomy. Time goes so slowly because you have no natural stimulation like we have in our normal lives. But on the flip side, relationships and trust and maybe your instincts end up going fast forward instead of going so slow. So, you know, we went through that first hike together and it was like, yeah, man, this is ride or die. And that moment, that hike is forever cemented in my memory as being very slow, but also very fast. Yeah. And I would say to this day on reality TV, that's maybe the hardest thing I've ever done was that opening hike on my first season of Survivor. We had to bushwhack uh, Riley like 13 miles, they said. Who knows how accurate it was. But we had to carry all of our food, all of our water, all of our pots and pans amongst the tribe. And so we had these bamboo rods that we were carrying like hundreds of pounds between two or three guys on our shoulders trying to go Mm -hmm. 13 miles, not on a trail, just through the bush. And uh, it took well into the night before we got to camp. And, uh, yeah, I think I remember, yeah. One person went ahead or something and, uh, yeah, they got to take a helicopter to camp. Oh no. Yeah. She was the sick one though, too. Yeah. 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 This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car, Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Before we get into tribal council, there's a couple things. We have Cody's beware advantage. He tells Jesse and 
NECA. And they have to get a bead from every single player on the tribe that has to be in Cody's possession. And then, then that becomes an idol and he gets his vote back. And I thought it was pretty masterful the way they went back into camp and Cody was like, I'll do the hat. Somebody gave him up with, I think Jesse came up with the idea to string them all on the hat. And mm-hmm. he started putting them on the hat and then making the deal of not having enough beads and then getting down to it. They were like, oh, do you want to put your beads on the hat too? And uh, it was funny too that Cody was like, oh, Dwight's such a super fan. He's never giving up that. Everybody's going to want to keep the trinkets and stuff. Dwight, no problem. But Noel, that was her line of thinking pretty much. And I love that that did happen after it was predicted to us. Coach, you giving up your beads there just because everybody else is? Like that's... You kind of almost have to, even though you don't want to, right? Yeah, you want a souvenir, but then, I mean, it, almost always, if the tribe is unanimous and you're the odd man out, you're just going with the tribe because you don't want to make waves. Yeah, and we don't know what happened. And uh, it seems like Cody probably didn't get the beads. That's what we're thinking, is that there wasn't enough time and they head to tribal council. And tribal council, do you like the look of this tribal council, Jeff? Or uh, not Jeff? Coach, future Jeff, <laughs> dude, you gonna host? Awesome, you gonna host Survivor in season forty-five or fifty or whatever? I'm ready. Give me a call. Okay, I'll, I'll go out there. I'll slay it, man. No, the tribal dude. The tribal is awesome, right? I mean, that's like those things that are hanging that you look like. If I were in tribal, I'd want to climb up in one of those things and go to sleep. That's freaking awesome. Those I big mean, pod had, things. Yeah, that's so cool. Remind me of like a Star Wars like uh, hut. Yeah. Or the UFO house in uh, South Korea that never got lived in or something. But it's it's so cool. I mean, I think that they they really challenges and set, you know, it's just so cool. So over the top. Most people don't know there's 400 people working on that set. They got a whole art department. They got a whole construction department. It's just awesome. It's, it's really badass. Yeah, looks pretty cool. One of us three has never been to a tribal council set. Well, maybe we'll change that at some point. <laughs> when we make your Survivor audition video and then I put in a good word for you. Yeah. Hmm. Let's talk after. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, we walk into the tribal and uh, like the big mystery is, does Cody have all the beads? That's the only thing I'm concerned with knowing at this point is, does he have all the beads? And... Uh, I thought for sure he didn't. I got totally faked out on this I episode. thought for sure he didn't too. Because yep. I even looked at Noelle's bracelet and it looked like there was at least partial bracelet still on her yeah, wrist at Tribal Council. Yeah, she looked like she was wearing something. That's what I thought. I was like, oh, okay, you can see it. She had two bracelets though made from the beads. So one of the, the special bead must have been on the other one. So uh, they talk about Cody's hat. It's a big topic of conversation. And then Justine is like, oh, I'd like one of those hats. Cody. I think he's sticking his foot in his mouth a little too much with the hunter be hunted comment. And then this, which is if Justine survives tonight, I'll make a hat for her. Hmm. Which are you taking offense there? If you're Justine coach, or are you just like, yeah, that is accurate. If I'm not here, then he can't make me a hat. Or are you like, uh, he, there's a little hint there. Yeah. He's making waves. You got a good point there. He's making waves multiple times. And that could either be a Tony-type edit where he just makes waves, but somehow he slips through, mm-hmm. or it could be 
that he's going to really make a fool out of himself. Yeah. Uh, I'm here for either one <laughs> right now. He's living, as they say. Uh, we bounce around a little bit. And again, Justine talks about the tribe lines, two, two, and two with three pairs. That's hard to make something work. And uh, I love it. I love that there's no clear majority. It's three strong pairings, a couple people bouncing around in the middle, and and nobody really knows which direction it's going to go and who's going to get the better of it. And uh, we talked to Dwight about his no vote. He pretty much just announces it. And is this also the proper play for Dwight to have told everybody about his missing vote last episode? I think he kind of has to, right? I think, I think so. Cause people know something's up yeah. and unless you can come up with a lie with the three people and trust the three people that are there enough to all lie the same, you kind of have to. I'm not sure what he would have gained by lying about it too. He would have probably just been caught when there were only five votes. There's so little to do on a daily basis. You know, there's so little mental stimulation, collecting firewood and doing that kind of stuff just gets pretty mundane. The only thing you have to do after tribal council is just sit there and try to ferret out who voted which way. Which way. Yeah, so he, yeah, I think you're right. He had to have let the cat out of the bag. Yeah. Because then it's like, if he if he lies about it too, it's also like, well, then they're just going to assume he has an advantage. So that just puts a target on his back. At least this way you can be like, hey, look, I'm honest and loyal and you know, build a little bit of, of trust that way. Yeah, that's true. I, I agree. I think like in this moment, especially when uh, we've seen the last couple seasons and we know that this is what happens and people lose their vote, it's very plausible. I think we'll be somewhere in the future, in a future season of Survivor, where somebody goes to some advantage meeting, comes back and says they've lost their vote and really haven't, that will probably materialize at some point in a future season as the advantage uh, advantages and the uh, definition of those change. Uh, but right now, that's what it is. Everybody assumes that something like that has happened. And so like, if you out in the open go to an island or have a boat pick you up, you have to come back to the tribe and just tell them everything. And uh, we go to voting, and then we get this little flashback. <laughs> Coach, this isn't the first time we've seen a flashback in voting, but it doesn't happen very often. Do you like this style of storytelling? No, because I actually, I got confused. I was watching it, and I thought, wait a second, did I miss something? So I rewound it, and then I watched it again. And then I rewound it all the way back to when it happened to try to see if I was missing something. I feel like there were so many holes in that storyline. Why do it? Riley? Well, because I think if they had shown him getting the beads, then wouldn't you just kind of be like, okay, Justine's going home because he gets his he gets his vote? Like, I, I almost no, then you, had then you put it way. between Justine and NECA. Hmm. Like you, you just, can, yeah, do the... You oh, could have changed the narrative going? of which two people it's kind of focused on. There's Rather. so many ways they can edit it, you know, like yeah. they can, they can make the whole story almost whatever they want. I don't understand why there was a vote on Cody. It was Justine who voted for Cody and that just can't. Uh, well, Justine always wanted to split the votes on Cody and NECA from the get go. Oh, that's right. So 
if she had had the numbers tell her that that's what was happening because that's what she wanted to happen, that's the only thing I can think of. If she's the one that voted Cody, then that's the only thing that makes sense is that she had enough people give her the thumbs up like, yeah, that's a really great idea. Let's do it. Yeah, that's right. She did briefly mention a vote split, which is like, feels too early for that for me because you can't trust anybody. You haven't been to tribal yet. And now yeah. you need, there are five votes out there and so you need four of them to do a two, two, one right. split. And it's like, are you really going to get four out of the five people you need on your your side? It's going to be tough. Yeah. Not likely when all you need for a majority is three, not four. The other thing here is that with Cody, like how soon before did he get the final beads? Did he get the beads soon enough that he could like, because I, I feel like if I'm in Cody's position, I'm trying to get these beads. I also have to prepare for worst case scenario, which is I don't get all the beads. So at that point, strategy and voting has to change a little bit if you're to protect yourself. And then when you get the final beads, do you then have enough to, uh, do you have enough time then to go around and do whatever shakeup you need to now that you have your vote and things like that? That's the other thing is like, who convinced Justine to vote Cody and for what reason? Because maybe at some point they were worried that Cody wasn't going to have a vote. And so they had to break the people that were unified in voting against that faction up just in case. Does that make sense? That seems like too much trouble. That's I mean, what I'm I, might, saying. I, I might be in the minority, uh-huh. but I do like the new twists that they bring to the game. At first, like it's always the same. The first season, everybody hates it. The second season, they're used to it. So they kind of come around and like it. I like that they're trying new things. But in this case, it's like, what's the risk? What's the reward? It's not, doesn't really make that much sense. And it seems like it's too much trouble, too much hassle for what do you gain, right? You don't really even gain that much. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. I don't uh, dislike the bead thing, uh, but it is one of those things where it's like some of these new twists, especially after seeing them for yourself before playing, you have to then tell people about it. Like you can't not. And Mm. so that is, is that the design here that they're going for? Are they like purposely designing beware advantages that you need to tell someone in order for it to work? Because Jeff talks about uh, at Tribal, he he mentions that like, oh, the reason people tell everyone everything is because currency in this game is like trust. And so you have to share information to Information is currency, yeah. But I think um, that they also, like some of the twists are, are kind of the opposite. Like the shot in the dark incentivizes not telling people things because you correct. don't want them to play their shot in the dark when they know they're on the chopping block. So they're sort of going both ways with it. They're kind of, they're, it's like the walls are closing in on the contestants with these twists. It's like some of them are like, yeah, you're going to have to tell people about the beads because otherwise how are you going to get them all? And then on the other hand, it's like, well, you can't tell anyone if they're going home because uh, the they'll play the shot in the dark and then you get a one in six chance of your, your spot being blown up. I think, you know, they're curating a cast for a series of storylines, as we talked about in the beginning, that does not have a clear-cut villain that do not have all these things. So if you don't have that, is that, if that's the new way that we're going to see Survivor, then you have to come up with these other things to create a villain out of the number of, you know, risks and rewards and, and different twists that they're bringing up. That's what I think. You know, I mean, if you have a cast 
and you're focused on that calf and you think, I can't wait to hate coach even more for what he says. You don't need any <laughs> of those shenanigans. If you're like, all I want to do is see Tyson with a blur mark around his package so that we can see him completely naked. <laughs> you don't need those shenanigans. But if you don't have those, then we got to have a little something else. So I think that's why they're doing it. And as Riley says, it certainly does box them in and it creates more stimulus uh, for us watching. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and speaking of uh, blurred packages and stuff, Riley, I noticed uh, that um, Sammy oh, where is this going? took Here a page from your fashion blog where he's wearing, in the challenge, it seems like he's wearing a shirt with no pants. <laughs> you know, I did notice that. He was just wearing like a long shirt. He must have had, he must have. He had something on underneath, but he did look like it was a bottomless party. Some kind of, you know, snug boxer brief under there or something. <laughs> I don't think it was a boxer brief. I think it was just briefs. Maybe, yeah, he's a, yeah, he's a tidy whitey guy. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I think because his shirt wasn't that long. Uh, but it's a look. It's for sure a look. Um, yes, we get that flashback. And I, I'm kind of with you, coach. Like, uh, you don't need to hide that stuff from us. The viewer, like, part of being the viewer is being privy to the information going into tribal council. Mm. That's like part of it is like you get like to be like in the seat that the producers are in, that Jeff is in. You get to know everything going on, and that's what makes it fun is watching people that don't know everything that's going on react to things. Mm -hmm. And so, why are you leaving us in the dark there, huh, Jeff? Get with it, Jeff. Get with it, Jeff. Justine goes, closing remarks. She's very positive about the experience, and, uh, you know, she hardly got going. So, you know, can't be that mad, except for that, probably not going back. And uh, that sucks a little she, bit. She can clean her nails now, though. You know, she was, yeah. she was complaining about that early on the episode. I'm <laughs> and sure. get away from the spiders. Do they have like a manicurist when you get back to the uh, the island? And yeah, yeah, they do. You can get a manicure, massage, all of that. So uh, there you go. Yeah. She'll be right at home. Yeah, she definitely will be. Uh, any anything else from the episode that jumped out before we uh, move on to Riley's superlatives, real quick? I will say. Uh, Owen at one point says his pee looks like bullion cubes. I like that. Have you that. guys ever had that? Yeah. I've had really, really dark urine. On Survivor bad. specifically, right? Uh, Probably on Survivor the whole time. No, because the only thing you're ingesting is liquid pretty much. I drank my own urine one time, but that wasn't on Survivor. <laughs> no, come on. That, not on this <laughs> podcast, Coach. That's a different podcast. Man. Well, Riley, have you ever drank your own urine? Absolutely not. Yeah. Me Hope to ha never have to. <laughs> Try it. You actually think, I, I got to tell you. you yeah, think keep going. That it's, gonna be, <laughs> it's not going to be that bad. You think that. And when you smell it, you're just like, just think about a really, uh, just think about like honey tea mm. or a really mm -hmm. strong green tea with a bunch of shiznap in it. Yeah. And you're smelling it as it's getting closer. And you're like, this is, this is going to be okay. And it's not. Okay. <laughs> I thought you were selling us on it. Okay. No, so no, it's, it's terrible. terrible. It's horrible. Okay. okay. Would you do it again? If I if it was a survival situation, absolutely. Okay. You heard it here first. Coach has drank his own urine. He'd do it again. <laughs> do we have time for those superlatives, Coach? You got a few yep, minutes? Yep, yep. Yep. Okay. Riley, what do we got? We missed him All last right. week. Yeah. Well, okay. Yeah. Let's do the best move of the episode. What do you guys think? Anything that particularly impressed you? I think Cody getting the beads with the help of NECA and uh, Jesse was actually pretty yes. genius and it worked out very well. And they've 
seem to keep the advantage that Cody has in uh, the dark. But those three know about it. So we'll yeah. see how that pans out. Yeah, that's a no-brainer. Yeah, same. I, I felt like that was really impressive. Uh, the opposite. Worst move. The worst move, honestly, I thought it was Dwight being a little too forceful in sticking with the girls. And then even at the end being like disappointed that Jesse did that when he doesn't even have a vote. Like, you are at everyone's mercy if you don't have a vote. And you just have to go along and make sure every single person trusts you to the maximum. Coach? Gabler, taking a page out of my book and saying, oh, yeah, I can do that when you don't have a clue what you're doing. (laughs) Because those kind of little uh, pins in the cushion stack up. I'll tell you that right now. So him saying that he could spearfish and then going out and not being able to do it. If you do that too many times, it erodes people's trust in you. What about uh, Justine telling people, telling Jesse specifically, oh, I'm really good at lying. You ever told anyone in the, in, on Survivor, oh, I'm a, I'm a real good liar? No, I just, I, I show them. I don't tell them. <laughs> you show them when you send them home, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, I thought that was kind of bad too. And uh, it was just one of those things that Cody was able to use as ammo to further target Justine, mm. which is like, that's what you're looking for when you're playing Survivor is like any little ammunition at any point. And if it's a truth, it makes it easier to sell from your standpoint and it makes it more believable. And a lot of times the person who's guilty of it will even admit to it. So like you can make up that same lie and say, Justine told me she's really good at lying. Uh, it just, for some reason, unless you're a master liar, doesn't carry the same weight as when it's truthful. Yeah. So, yeah, that was bad. Favorite moment of the episode? I like when Gabler was saying he hopes that the tribe doesn't view him as uh, weak and uh, useless. As As he took a nap. (laughs) As he took a nap and all the tribes looking at him. Yeah, I just like that (laughs) juxtaposition of the the two viewpoints. So, yeah, that was my favorite. Same. I think I like the beads. I felt like that was a good good new twist on the idol. Uh, I'm... Excited for someone on the other tribes who is not like it won't be able to pull off. Oh, I'm making a hat with beads or whatever to get it and be like, oh, man, what do I do here? That'd be me. If I pulled that thing, I'd be like, no one's going to believe that I need these beads for anything other than an idol. Yeah. I mean, on the first round, maybe I know that there was uh, on Winners at War, Wendell was making this blanket and he was taking beads from everybody to sew into the blanket. And maybe that's where the inspiration for this even started. Uh, mm. but yeah, it was, uh, it, that was a good moment as well. I, and I like that little twist too. Cause I was like, are they going to do the phrase again? Cause it seemed like it was leading up to that. And then when they were like, got to get these beads and here's a picture of each of them. I like that too. What else you got? Front runner. Who, who do you think's going to win at this point? Mm, it's hard to say because so many people, we don't, we haven't seen anybody play yet really, except for, uh, this week and last week a little bit. I think Ryan. Okay. I think Ryan. He's the he's buff. He seems pretty chill. He seems like he's the voice of reason, very level-headed, which you need. Uh, obviously, it's early, but... Got a close ally in Geo. Yep, exactly. Coach, I'm going ta- I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go to Vegas with that. Didn't you predict the last one, Tyson? I was clueless on the last one. I was like, oh, I think such and such is winning. And then I think you predicted Marianne, didn't you? 
Uh, we predicted Marianne pretty strongly, probably around like the late, yeah, later last quarter season. of the season. Mm. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to Vegas with your pick now. Anyway, uh, what about Jesse? Isn't that the guy that used to be in the gang? Yeah, yeah, I like Jesse. Yeah, I, I don't know. He seems really smooth. Like he's you know you look at him and you're like not a threat, but he's thinking on a deeper level. So I think that would be my pick. Okay, Jesse went to Cal, which is my alma mater, and then so did oh, Carla, who went to Cal. We got two of them on this season, so I'm going to take Carla as my front runner. I like her a lot. She's she's smart. I, I will say that I watched this episode, Riley, thinking about the superlative that you might ask of who's going to be a front runner. So I actually watched this episode with that in mind. Nice. Uh, did you think about? So we'll do the last superlative. Who is the next person going home? Oh gosh, <laughs> Tyson, you got one. Uh, I mean, it's just a shot in the dark. It's a shot point. in the dark with three tribes. I'm going to say Dwight. If uh, I'm going to say Dwight, if Vessi goes back to tribal council, so I think he's already kind of fought too hard for Justine when that wasn't the way it was going to go, and then he it seems like he goes back to tribe and or back to the tribe, and Jesse has to win his trust back, which Jesse shouldn't have to do because Jesse has a vote and Dwight doesn't. So Dwight should be the one that's like, I'm totally cool, no sweat. So I think that that's uh, too emotional currently to stick around long. Coach, what do you think? Uh, I'll say Justine. She's already gone. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Who didn't get voted out? Hold on. Who didn't get voted out? Uh, NECA. NECA oh, that, was the other uh, one. Uh, that's right. That's who I think is going next. All right. I'll pick, how about Owen? The guy, the, the, yeah. oh, I'm too, I'm so anxious. Uh, the curmudgeon. He's like, oh, I th- so, yeah, yeah, the lovable curmudgeon. He's like, oh, I'm, I'm playing it pretty under wraps so far. And I'm like, I'm not so convinced it's, it's that under wraps. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, he could be too. So it's early to tell, but you know, sometimes we get lucky and, uh, there's few people luckier than me. <laughs> we got anything else, Riley? No, that's it, man. Okay. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Coach, thank you so much for being here. I know you've got to run, uh, but it's been a pleasure as always. And uh, Riley, uh, we'll get all of your NFL d- updates next week, probably, if we have time. If not, we'll just uh, cover Survivor again, episode three. Great episode, all in all. And uh, I think the season's shaping up to be uh, pretty fun. Thanks for having me, Tyson, man. I love you. Love you too. Take care, everybody. See ya.